there, I'm JP. Hello there, I'm WH. And we are on episodes seven and eight of Andor. And how are you, WH, today? How do we I, find I, you, mate? I'm good. I, did you get to watch Tales of the Jedi, by the way? Oh, not yet. Okay. I've weirdly we'll been watching Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities first, which is a an odd anthology show i'll put it like that but yes no tales of the jedi they ho- heard great things i just finished all of them this morning and oh, wow uh, yeah we'll talk we'll save it but I, I i i was quite quite happy with the episodes i just I, not a spoiler but mo- basically it's a it's a it's a bunch of shorts focusing on two particular jedi cap dooku before he's well he's still a jedi which is really fascinating and, and ahsoka tano and uh, different parts of her life and career as a Jedi. And uh, I thought if you're a fan of the last season of the Clone Wars, you'll really like, I think, her episodes. And um, you know what? I also, they got they got some people to, to, to voice the characters. They got Liam Neeson <laughs> to voice Qui-Gon Jinn in this. Okay. They got Ian McDermott to voice Palpatine. Darth Sidious in this. It's, I was like, I was looking at the cards. Did they get, did they get the, the the movie actors, or did they get the animated show actors, and they got the movie actors. So, and of course, so for me, it's always great to hear Ashley Eckstein reprise her role as the voice of Ahsoka Tano. She can't do the live action, um, obviously, because she wouldn't be able to do the physicality of, of Ahsoka because she's not as athletic as, as say, someone like Rosario Dawson is. And but she, you know, as doing the voice for the animated character. That's great. She's. It's always nice to hear her again. So, oh, sounds excellent. I look forward to this. I like it. It'll be the kind of thing that probably at the end of Andor I can see myself binging, <laughs> just a way to get that kind of. It only take you like an hour. Like it's yeah. Like, all to collectively, it's maybe an hour, maybe one hour, twenty minutes. Well, I think so. I've got no excuses now. Now you've said yeah. that. I look for look forward to that, and and we'll do. We'll. I'd imagine we'll end up doing a special one off, um, talking about uh, Tales of the Jedi as well. Sure. Um, yeah, but, but this week we've got a bit of a double header. Like the, yeah. the first episode we did of these recap series, we ended up doing the first five. Well, this one we've got two to talk about. We've got episode seven announcement. That's right, and episode eight Narkina five, which means that this episode will probably end up being told the announcement is Narkina five, just to keep things kind of easy. But yeah, yeah what were your overall thoughts? Because we kind of, as you said. As we said at the end of the of the last episode we recorded, by the end of the OI, we've hit that kind of point of right. Where do we go now? Mm-hmm. And how do you think they've done so far? I think for for if we look primarily at our main character Cassian Endor, he is he is well on his way to becoming radicalized, to becoming a member of the Rebel Alliance because of the relationships he has with people on Ferrix is change is changing. And, and basically, you know, he's seeing the results of what his actions, like in the heist of Aldani, mm. the repercussions, like throughout the galaxy, basically, he, he's a victim of his own actions in a lot of ways, right? Mm. Like at the end of announcement, we shall talk about, but he sees the effects it's had on Ferrix with the Imperial occupation. And also like, because of his escape from Ferrix's has brought the the uh, you know the empire to Ferrickson to replace the corporate uh, police forces there. Now it's the empire there, and and um, he sees the kind of like the shift in Marva in her character because now she's like so 
wants to be part of the rebellion. She wants to, she's inspired by what happened on Aldani. And you have to think that at some point he's going to, something's going to happen to her. That's going to make him want to join up with, mm. because what I also liked about announcement was like the flashbacks it has to Clem and what happened to him and the parallels it runs. And I think the way just to get ahead of myself or the way that was shot, where it's like, he's like in present day, Cassian's hiding from like some stormtroopers that are on Ferrix now. And then it goes back to when the Imperial occupation first happens with clone troopers, actually, because those aren't, that's not stormtrooper armor that you see in the, the flashback. It's clone trooper armor. So it's mm. the time just after the empire emerges for changing from the Republic into the empire and the, the army is still primarily made of clones. So the, the, I, the, the, the switch to stormtroopers hasn't happened necessarily yet or hasn't been fully integrated. They're still using some clone troopers, but this is where Clem is, who is Kessin's adoptive father. Like he's telling him there's some kind of like demonstration. There's Imperial soldier, soldiers marching down the uh, Bricks Road, which is something we get referenced a lot about on Ferrix. Mm. Um, and there are people who don't like the empire. They're throwing rocks at them. And, and Clem wants to just like, hey, stop it. This, this is not going to help you guys. You're going to get in trouble. And like when the soldiers turn around, they see Clem who did nothing. But obviously we know from past episodes that he, is, he gets hanged along with these other people who are actually throwing rocks at the stormtroopers, at the clone troopers. And this is kind of like the first you know, incident on Ferrix that, that kind of starts casting down this, this road of like being anti-imperial. I don't think it's, it's completely, um, like this, the Ferrix stuff. I think we're, if we, if we, you know, if we go back to when he's a kid on Canary, yeah. that the, the, his, you know, Canary is devastated by this mining accident, you know, and they, there's a there's a reference to it, imperial mining accidents on Canary mm. devastated the planet, so it like must have killed all the adults, and probably ended up killing all the Lord of the Flies kid compatriots yeah. that he had before he got say not kidnapped by Marva and Clem to go to Ferrix with them as a kid. But you're right, isn't it? I mean, you you do start to see these like the connections to how the Empire has had these kind of roots within his life and about him kind of awakening to it as well and i think when we get into episode eight as well it's the people he's meeting along the way and the impact in terms of like the kind of quite casual the casual sort of brutally almost brutally mundane punishments that that go there but you, we should start off with episode seven first of all w with announcement which is kind of very much like i say the fallout from the eye um and we have our good old friend cyril calm who is his uh in this episode, um, and I don't know if we should almost like discuss them across both in some uh, across both episodes because it still isn't integrated necessarily into the into Cassian Endor Endor entirely, but you can see where it is by the end of episode eight. Basically, he's um, he's back at his mum's. Um, he's got an interview, and he's going to be uh, uh, heading across to that, which is going to be the the kind of monotonous life that he's he's going to be in there but um obviously he hears the news report about the terror attack on aldani and so then we're going over to the to the isb where we don't have major partigas speaking to him no. 
we've got Colonel Wolf Yalaran, which is a cracking right. name, um, who is even more, um, you know, sort of dead on. Uh, but we do have Deidre Miro also talking about in terms of how she talks with uh, is it Attendant Hit? I think she's uh, I think so, she's yeah. with one of her kind of uh, minions and how she thinks about them doing it. They're, they're going all about this the wrong way, that this isn't about a robbery, that she's spotting with the theft of all of the Imperial technology, that this is in fact like the makings of a, of a, uh, of an, of a rebellion. That's right. And for those who don't know, Wolf Yularen is a character that is first introduced in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any speaking lines, but he's like the only guy on the Death Star with a white uniform. And he's uh, later resurrected as a character in the Clone Wars as uh, he's an admiral. He's part of the Republic Navy. So he has a lot of scenes with like Obi-Wan and Anakin. And so then he, when the Empire emerges, he shifts over because I think he's also like someone through the course of war with the separatist army like mm-hmm. he he firmly believes in like okay what the empire is uh, on the surface supposed to stand which is like creating order in the galaxy because like a lot of people i think you know they transition from the republic into the empire in the military are people who like i we can't let like a separatist you know uprising ever happen again we need to create you know like the the, 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 the key word is like that or the buzzword they like to use is yeah. order law and order that's like that that's kind of like what like anakin likes to say when he goes to the dark side as well in episode three um but yeah wolf you learn i was like oh shit it's wolf you learn he he is and he is the head of the isb and he reports directly to you know emperor palpatine yes the the, the sith lord who secretly controls the empire because no one knows he's actually Sith Lord, you know. The look should give it away, really. But there we go. Um, it, it, it's just funny because, like, I, I imagine people might suspect because, like, Darth Vader is a Sith Lord. He's the mm-hmm. Emperor's enforcer, military enforcer. But, you know, and, like, Darth is, like, a Sith title. Like, if you've read a history, like, you know, you like to say, JP, go read a fucking history book. Like, yep. If you read a history book of Star Wars, like you'd like no, like Darth is a is a Sith title, you know. But uh, I guess because like the guy, I think a lot of people think he's just like a religious nut who's useful. So like, so like Darth, you know, like ever probably oh like keeps him around because like oh you can use a lightsaber, it's pretty useful. <laughs> well, exactly. Do you, do you need around someone around who can use a bloody lightsaber? That's right. But again, it. it, it I think this is, you know, what we're seeing here is how are they going to respond at this stage and what is it going to be? And he he very much references the kind of using very sort of almost like blunt techniques to punish everyone as a response, which is kind of what you would expect from a totalitarian regime, isn't it? This, this is the kind of, the kind of classic kind of, you know, you dissent the kind of hope side of it. We we may well, you know, these are te- techniques that will be used, whether it be in, in Hong Kong or whether it's used in Iran currently. Yeah. Like, it's the kind of thing that, that that you expect as a response of, like, ah, we need to quell this before it becomes something that we can't control. It, the, the punishments are basically financial. 
Yep. They're going to levy fines and taxes on systems that they feel are harboring um, re rebel cells. Uh, it's also like uh, punitive legally because then they introduce the idea of like retro, like any kind of any kind of cultural festival that's used as a cover uh, is going to be banned from by the empire. Uh, they're going to retroactively increase sentences for people who are already in prison. And uh, for in, you know anyone committing a new crime that might have had like a very a lesser you know sentence to it is now going to be maybe double or triple as we will see at the end of, of yeah. announcement. Um, and we find out why this is the most important part that what they call PORD cord right it's mm. it's the I forget what it stands for but it, that, that that's basically the thing about like increasing sent you know uh, jail time for people that are already in prison, but also like who are caught committing new crimes. Something to look for, because it's like, a, it's like a public order, a public order resentencing decree. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and we find out that this is all part of a bigger plan that they probably would have introduced mm -hmm. at some point, regardless of Aldani, because it is meant to create a slave labor force for the empire in their prisons to yeah. you, you think that Death Star got built by itself? Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! And it does almost think for all of you, any of you who are fans of the film Clerks, in terms of the people who were working on said Death Star, it's even more on the second Death Star in particular. It's even worse for them because it was slave labor that was up there, not building yeah. constructors who were kind of minding their own business. Before, to, is it? I can't remember the guy's name in Clerks. You know, is it Randall? I think uh, it is. the blind guy. Yeah, the guy with the baseball right cap behind him. Yeah, yeah, classic sequence on there. Um, but yes, we do have um, obviously in terms of the the IRB uh, response. We also hear we also get to see Luthen in this, who has a fascinating conversation with Mon Mothma in terms of listening to the Rebel Radio and the fallout of Aldani. Um, Mon Mothma asked about this in terms of like, because obviously it's she sees what the Empire is doing in terms of the um, the PORD at this stage and the kind of um, expansion of Imperial powers on here. And Luthen is very much of the opinion that you know these are things that are going to happen along the way. This is this is what a rebellion is, and it's going to be messy. And and we you know you kind of wondering where we're going to see the kind of full transformation of Mon Mothma into that kind of rebel here but it feels like this is the first time where like the kind of stakes have been like she realizes actually what the stakes properly are and she isn't quite comfortable with them at this stage no I think there's a kind of optimism that she clings on to in terms that she can um stab off the empire with you know with um policies like with her political powers mm -hmm. and uh, legalities and things like that, not really seeing the bigger picture. I think which is what Luthen and someone like Sagrera see is like, and I think even probably Bail Organa sees that it's this idea of, um, listen, that's not going to work. Ultimately, we are going to have to create a, a civil war has to happen for us to make change, to get rid of the empire. Like your idea as as admirable as it is is not realistic and and this is actually like i i actually was just listen, 
just finished listening to the audiobook for Rogue One for the mm. novelization of Rogue One. And there's a lot of this, you know, like things that we don't get to see in the movies, like people's thoughts about Mon Mothma, like uh, the head of Rebel Intelligence General Draven. He has like an admiration for Mon Mothma, but he's also like she's she's kind of a nuisance. And like she's the full blown political leader of, of the of the Rebel Alliance at this point. Mm. But it's just like, well, we're not. What about mom? Does mom Mothma know about this mission? Hey, what mom Mothma doesn't know doesn't hurt her. Okay, she doesn't need to know about this. The, the, any kind of black ops missions we're we're running against the Empire. Um, but it, it it's 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 a nice contrast, and I think you see the two viewpoints uh, represented in mom Mothma and in Luthen Rail. Like, where is he has a great line? He's like, "This is what it takes." You knew going into this. I told you. Like he, 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 I think he's very upfront with her, and but she didn't want to ne maybe necessarily understand like the the length to which he will go to, 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 you know, provoke a response from the empire because he knows like people won't stand up and fight them if it's just like subtle and gradual oppression, if the empire starts squeezing. It, that's a, and that's a and that's an imagery we we hear a lot about, and this comes from like. You know, Princess Leia's line to Tarkin on the Death Star is like, she says, the more you tighten your grip, the more star substance will flip through them. That's what they want. They want the Empire to tighten their grip because mm -hmm. that's when people are going to really start feeling the, the choking and the suffering of being under the yoke of the Empire. And and so, yeah, this is coming to the plan that, that Luthen wants, but not what Mon Mothma wants. But it's... It it's almost like, and it's interesting because it works. It, this ties in so well with the conversation she has with the dinner party she's doing at home, which is very much dinner party central in Coruscant, I have to say. Yeah. If you're if you're a politico, you have to have ended up at a Mon Mothma party, otherwise you just needn't have bothered. But it's almost like it goes the other way, where she's having a, a conversation with her, her old childhood friend, Tay Colmer, who's a, a banker and... You know, he talks about his views being kind of radical, and then it's like, well, actually, like, you know, um, it, it's she talks about herself, like you mentioned earlier on, about her being a nuisance and how she's going to set up another charitable foundation in order to be a nuisance, even though she's being closely watched, and that is the money, her family money, that's going to be kind of filtered out in order yeah. for for her to be able to kind of fund aspects of the rebellion, which, considering they've got a hundred million credits. I think you know, which we'll come into at the end of uh, end of episode eight. But yeah, what did you um, you know? And it's she's kind of she's got her old school friend involved. It, you know, it seems like no one is necessarily onto them at the moment. Although I suspect her husband will be by the end of episode eight. What did you what did you think of this moment? Because it was like a different version of Mon Mothma. So, I mean, we see her with Luther Luther, and she looks worried. Whereas here, she's very much kind of in control and feeling like she can have this conversation, even though. If any one of a number of people at that party here, then she's off to prison. She goes, if not execution. I'm, I mean, I think Endor is as much about Mon Mothma as it is about mm. Cassian Endor or Luthen Rao. I think it's important to see someone who is um, not, who is, like I said, optimistic about making change um, mm. without bloodshed, being contrasted with people on the ground like Luthen like Cassian and how that's going to change her because you know like you, you don't see her like her first appearance is in 
in Return of the Jedi in episode six, and it's just like, oh, she's the leader of the rebellion. I always thought it was I, for whatever reason. I thought it was that Princess Leia was in charge of the rebellion, but no, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, uh, no, it's 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 Mon Mothma. She's the leader, and it's like, how did she get to that point, right? And then we see her in in Rogue One, and she's the leader at that point. But it's like, but okay, but then she's a senator. Like, what 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 do we? How do we get? How do we get from this version of her five years before the Battle of Yavin? to the version we get who's like okay let's we gotta go fight the empire we gotta go to scarif and get these plans so they can so we can possibly hopefully destroy the death star later <laughs> so i think it's fascinating i think genevieve o'reilly is just uh, killing it like and i love when she has scenes she's scenes with like stellan skarsgård is within rail who's just mm -hmm. absolutely incredible and we'll talk about episode eight in a sec you know later on but i also can we say take take home Played by Ben Miles, one of my favorite. Oh, I like him. Loved him in Cuffling, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. <laughs> yes. uh, he's who's he? Pa is he Patrick? Is that his character? He name? is. He is Patrick great. in Cuffling. He's great. He's and then I think he's, he was in. He was also like the guy who's Princess Margaret's love interest in in the first season, first two seasons of The Crown. I think he's good in that. The Empire's no, that I've never seen, but since the Queen has died, I feel like I'm more intrigued to ever see it than when she was alive. Oh, for the new for, one's going to come out. It's going to writing and for for the writing and the acting. Like The Crown is, I I think a fascinating show. Like, and what yeah. a cast! My God, like Claire Foy and and. Um, uh, Matt Smith is in it, and, yep. and oh, who plays Princess Margaret? She was in Mission Impossible, uh, and so many other things. What's her name again? Forget. I can't think. This is where I'm kind of useless. There's a lot of this. You watch this, and you just think, well, this is honestly for British acting. This would have been as, as much of a buzz when Game of Thrones turned up in Northern Ireland. You went, oh, thank God, like big, proper big budget stuff on the doorstep. Maybe one day we'll do a Crown recap show. We know how it ends, anyway, in the risk of sounding deeply anti-imperial. Um, um, but, yeah, we do. I mean, you mentioned earlier on about... Um, Vanessa Kirby, sorry. It's Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. Um, somebody we haven't mentioned who is there, where you kind of see what the other part of the, the, the plan is that, that Luthan is in terms of the brutality and tying up loose ends. Because we see Vel all dressed up and ready mm -hmm. to go out on the town. Um meeting up with Claire, who's Luthan's assistant. Um, and, you know, she's saying that she needs to find Cassian Andor and kill him so he doesn't track back to Luthan. Mm -hmm. We'll see as well. This is very much the Empire's plan um, at the same time. I mean, him being on Ferrix in hindsight is, is, seems like an absolutely, like, kind of terrible move for him him to be there uh, at, at that point in time uh, there as well. But this was always yeah. going to be the plan, wasn't it? What to go after Luthen? No, to, to, use... to go up, well, to go after to kill Cassian Andor. Like this, this is almost like it kind of. No, I, I think if if Luthen could have been there, he would have recruited Cassian to be a full member of of the of the cell, like like Vel is. Like I don't think, I think because of the way the the heist went wrong, like at the end where they had to go to try to take care of Nemec and like Skeen turned on them and then he killed them. And then he's like, I'm out of here. Like I think, if, I think if maybe the plan was Luthen was going to rendezvous with them 
and then try to convince him to be part of the rebellion. But like, he's out there now in the wind. Um, and so they're like, well, he's too dangerous now. Like, you know, because like Lupin being a secret agent is, you know, like being part of Coruscant high society and using his position as an antique stealer on Coruscant itself is very instrumental for, for him to pass on information from people like Mon Mothma to other rebel cells and, and the such. So that's not something that has to be, that they want to jeopardize. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's all this foreshadowing of like, it's going to be Cyril who finds out Luthien because for however, for some reason, we're gonna, he's going to hear his voice and he goes, that's the man who is on Ferrix with Cassian and Endor. That's who this Axis person is that you're looking for. Um, can I just say, I getting a little ahead of myself, I think it's hilarious that the Empire is looking for Cassian and he's in their custody. By yes. <laughs> he's in their custody. They have him already. And they're looking well, for him. It's awesome. I think that is one of the things. I mean, before we get to the end of end of this episode, there's, there's one more kind of update from the ISB. And it's basically, it's Supervisor Blevin speaking up against Supervisor Miro, mm -hmm. talking about disregarding protocol. Miro, like, sticking to her guns here, doesn't deny this. And this is the thing that Partagas loves, the idea of being able to use the new um, legislation that's come in to be able to use that in order to kind of do these kind of sweeps being. And if you can kind of, I think it's great acting um, as well in terms of Blevin breaking during this, during this episode. Like you can kind of like, you see the way that Miro has completely replaced him in, in the mind of, of Partagaz as well. And even with Yulf Valaren in the in the um, in episode eight, you can see that she's re she's got a believer in Partagas as much as anything else here. Yeah. But I thought it was it was you know he does say to her now watch your back, and that's all the advice that he gives at the end of it. It's like good work now watch your back, and it was brilliantly done, kind of like underplayed, showing again the mechanics of how exactly they're going to respond. What's the kind of the bureaucratic kind of bun fights that are going on there that you would expect to see in a corporate head office. It's, it is, it's beautifully done. I mean, this show will, the one thing you would really hope for it in terms of giving life to a star Wars galaxy that you're not really ever allowed to kind of see into so much of that in these two episodes. Oh, I, I mean, just to go back to the meeting between Clea and fell, I just loved Clea walking taking the tram to different part of the level of Coruscant and she's just walking around Coruscant. I just love seeing this version of Coruscant, you know, that's mm. less glitzy as what we saw in the prequel movies. And we're kind of getting to the kind of not the full on lower levels of like Coruscant that you see in like Clone Wars, where it's all where all the criminals are. And but like kind of that mid level where like kind of the you know, the, the middle class live, which isn't that great. Like you want to be higher up in on Coruscant if you're if you're rich. That that's you know, it's a nice metaphor for for like the status of people in in the galaxy, but particularly on Coruscant. Um but like the whole scene with the the ISB where Blevin challenges Dietra, you know, about this idea of like you you broke protocol, right? Let's look at the results I got. I can like she she makes a point. I can prove with unfiltered data, like that 
there's a connection to everything. This is how the rebels work. And she has the best line. The best report is like, you think the rebels care about the imaginary lines we draw across mm-hmm. the map galaxy? They don't. They don't work by our rules or our protocols. And so like, if we just follow our, our own bureaucracy, we're never going to stop the rebels. And so, and then part of guys completely sees this as being the correct way to do things. And so he says, yeah, okay, that's, you know, like I, I, I think she's someone that he has a, has a lot of faith in, but he knows like, because of the kind of whatever the gender dynamics that exist within the empire, especially like in something like the ISB that like, okay, she has, she has to be more careful than others and maybe even a bit more ruthless than other people. That's why I like the line that he says, good job, watch your back. Cause she, he knows Blevins especially is going to come try to come after her again. So, and she knew full well when she asks, uh, you know, his the way he finds out because she asks like kind of a lowly tech to not tell anyone. So you know the way it's going to filter its way back in. So she was kind of aware that at some stage, and so it's then planning the response for it. So there's the kind of political machinations that you see at work here um, as well. The ending, ep- uh, the ending of the episode is on the the tropical planet of Nyamos. Or yeah. what might be Star Wars' version of Cancun slash Ibiza, because um, it has that kind of like uh, spring break club med style kind of holiday vibe to it. Playing the um, the Niamos theme I've seen on here, which we hear in the original in the the brothel in the first episode of, of okay. Law as well here, and he's under the alias of uh, Cassian's under the alias of Keith Gergen. He's um, he's shacked up with someone. I don't know who it is. Is asking him to get a few bits and bobs. He's he's hiding whatever of his credits away above his shower, which doesn't seem like a good place. No. And this is where you talk about the kind of the the irony of the whole situation. That his actions has caused this enormous overreaction from the empire, which he then falls prey to because he's going out for a, a walk to the shops. Um, some thieves are being chased because he's walking. He should have just sat down. Like at that moment in time, Susan's people want to just sit down, not move. Um, because he's walking, he starts being um, kind of uh, harassed by a shore trooper. Yeah. Uh, at this stage, and effectively, it's tell uh, he ends up being charged with uh, uh, what is it like public disorder, like kind of running away from imperial guards. Ends up in court. Ends up, well, he, first of all, he ends up being pinned to the wall by, and I can't remember the name from Rogue One. The K two S O. So it's like they're, they're, I think the series is called the K K K D series. So okay. they're security droids. They're Imperial security droids used for, you know, um, police work basically or security work. Um, How- they're not. They're not very smart. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I mean, in fairness, the one they end up with in Rogue One as well does a, does yes, a hell of a K- job. So at K- some point, K2, yeah. he manages to to kind of reroute one of them, but he ends up in court. It's a sham court, if ever there was one. There really isn't any defense because if you try this, to like it, it reminds me of like what my my imagination is of like you know, or like the kind of like I imagine when I read Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities about the French Revolution. Yeah, these kangaroo courts that they had. This is very similar. It's like a kangaroo court. It's like whatever. Okay, <laughs> it's like a, they use an old credit card machine too. That's what yeah. that must be. That prop, and it's like six years before three months now. Six years. <laughs> what? Six years? Yeah. It feels like Russia. 
it just feels like this idea that like someone like Alexei Navalny can end up in a like kind of gulag somewhere for like and you know for 10 years the same way that pussy riot would have for simple public order but the irony here being of course that you know if we're going by the standards he's got off lightly for what he's done to the empire oh yeah but yeah six years six and years. then yeah that's my cry i remember thinking i was like shit like that's that's not gonna go and, and it doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing where you get parole or time off for good behavior that's not no. gonna happen plea no. bargaining is very much not a part of this um but that then leads us really nicely into episode eight which is called narkina five that's right. because it's set up is it a prison planet yeah that's, that's there and um a phenomenal image of these kind of i don't know really what you would describe them just these kind of what you imagine a complete behemoth beast style buildings which have the you know that are sucking in the water probably in order to power it it's a vertical first. design. I, I think it's yeah. a vertical design structure that that mm. is a, a great prison because you can't really escape unless you get to the surface, which I'm sure is controlled very heavily. It has a lot of armed guards between you and the exit to get to the surface. But then again, if you get to the surface, where are you going to go? It's surrounded by water. I was going to say, it's not even like face-off where you might even try and bullshit your way around it. Yeah. <laughs> that obviously finds out he's on an oil rig, doesn't he? But this is kind of, you know, it reminds me of like the, the prison they use in, in, in the Marvel universe. Yes. The, the raft, right. It's kind of like a similar concept idea. Um, but, but we, this is also, you know, like, I think it's kind of funny because like he gets, he gets captured and caught on a, on a beach planet, essentially like, you know, Ibiza, the Empire, the, the Star Wars galaxies, Ibiza. Where, where was that? Where did you end up going? Is that yeah, where you that, went that, to? I never went there. My girlfriend was it, it went to Ibiza back in the day. I was I was in Gran Canaria. You go, you see things, mate. You can't unsee. It yeah. was a lot more relaxed, like the day off. Resort. Who, my, whoever, I, I, I think, I think Miami, maybe my, Miami, or Oakenfold or Groove Rider. Playing. That's right. I kind of think maybe Miami is better yeah. parallel because like, you know, or somewhere in Florida. Yeah, Florida, I just think it just seems like there's a lot of old, old yeah. people on this planet. So, so right. I think, so a lot of old people tend to Republican go to Florida. Governor, so you're probably expecting to get the firm oh, and the law as well at some point. Yeah. And it's a bunch of asshole cops in the short troopers, you know, so. A lot of wrestlers there as well. Something also to be probably honest. yeah tax breaks yeah. probably yeah but um, we have but... Mm-hmm. sorry no but then yeah we get to yeah, we find out okay we go from sentencing straight to prison and it's like <laughs> I, I think it's, it's kind of interesting where are you from what planet you're from he gives him a fake planet and he's like well, you're going to Narcana five you're going to a different prison planet you're going to a different you know prison facility somewhere else on a different planet I and I bet you these are all planets that are like you know, like, you know, deep, deep in the frozen tundras or underwater or, you know, like in the middle of a desert or something like that. Because I, I would assume that they're like, you know what, we got to make sure even if they get to the top or to get to the exits, they, they, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Like you might as well just stay in, in the prison because like going outside of it is probably means death. So going on the floors can mean death oh god as, as as well for this but we have like i mean as we see him arrive and 
Cassian's very much thinking, what the hell did I do uh, wrong here? Because he's gone horribly south. We cut back to Cyril being taken out of his vital work to be picked up by De- by Deidre. And under interrogation, she starts asking, you know, why has he filed all of these uh, these reports looking for Cassian Andor? And... Um, and there, and obviously, you know, he's mentioning here the whole time about how um, about he's not even kind of hiding it, but he wants to clear his name and what he did and about him being a, a, a good policeman on here. But we have the moment where he doesn't he hasn't seen the official report, but she gives that over to him. I might may as well stick with this for the moment, which then he ends up um, he ends up reading, talking about how it's a sham. It doesn't include most of the important detail uh, in here. Um, it is one of the um, you know, when when she sees uh the the relationship, you know, about how much he wants to not kind of have this kind of mundane work, clear his name, go back to working for the empire. He's got the same kind of passion for the empire that she very much has. It is one of the sense that like it made you feel, oh, okay, is she going to be take? Is she going to take him out there because he's the only kind of lead? She mentions about Luthan who you said earlier on, who he heard, the other guy, he had a cloak on, but doesn't know, because he had a gun to the back of his head, in fairness, but he doesn't know who that is. And like you say, that is going to tie its way in. For the moment, Cyril's being left there in his day-to-day job, and she'll say he was of service to the Empire. He wants that little bit more, but you can see that he is a an asset that can be very much used uh, by Deidre. Oh, I think he's def- she's definitely going back to get him later on. I think I think also like by it's 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 the way you parallel him getting this new job and with Cassian getting caught by the police and thrown into prison because basically Cyril has entered a different kind of prison, the prison of like a mundane job doing nothing, mm-hmm. being part of a bureaucracy. Um, and like the design basically of this Bureau of Standards, I think it's called, right? The Bureau of Standards is where he goes to work doing, looking specifically at fuel purity. He's, he, he's just like a cubicle and it looks like a, and it feels like a prison because it's like nine to five, you're stuck there. Can't even play Minesweeper or Solitaire on the No, so there's no, nothing. nothing like that. And um, there's that point, I love the point where he's doing the job interview. And his supervisor says, says mm. Orlando won. He's like, oh, yeah, I can explain. But I, like, I'm going to expunge my record. He goes, oh, well, let's get that started right now. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to bring this up again. So like, the supervisor like, don't worry about it. I don't care. I just, I just need someone to sit and feel purity, and you're good enough. So we won't, we'll just get rid of this blemish on your official it- imperial record. And I think that's the you you see the frustration in this episode with the Empire realizing, and it's particularly Deidre about the kind of those kind of I don't know if it's broken windows theory necessarily, but the idea that this kind of endemic levels of low level corruption have kind of sat in, which doesn't always give them the full picture of what exactly is going on. So it, it, it's it you know, and about trying to do something about it, and in someone like Cyril, is someone who who hates the idea that there is you know that there is this much kind of rule breaking going on and and this kind of much corruption but it's fascinating like again like the dynamics oh, of this it's great is just brilliant um 
before we stay, go back to Narkeena 5, in terms of the other things that happen um, in this episode, uh, obviously, we go back to seeing kind of Mon Mothma. Um, she's described here in my recap notes, having rich people problems and Coruscant. That yeah. really is very much the case here. She's meeting um, uh, Tay again. I nearly said Tay Mello. That's, that's my wrestling head uh, on there. Very different from Tay Mello. Much less annoying and better with numbers. Um, and in terms of trying about the Imperial Auditors or onto the banks at this point in time, but in terms of her trying to get her money out of her family accounts in here. Um, but then you see Mon Mothma having to kind of, again, see people from the Senate as well in order to kind of um, express how they feel to kind of Palpatine as well. Spoiler alert, doesn't go great, I, I, I would have imagined. Um, but yes, we do see, um, you know, they talk about the, um, uh, what was it, the, uh, the other Senate members, in fact, like there's one of them who is, you know, they're completely on board with what the Empire are, do, are doing. And it's this kind of like, we might think of as like faux liberalism that that they kind of have sat in their very much ivory towers as draconian methods, that more and more draconian methods are coming into effect. And you can see that possibly is this going to lead to Mon Mothman's kind of, the idea that the political side of it is just something that's ever going to work in terms of the rebellion? I, I, I think... I gotta imagine she she had to deal with she had to deal with this shit back in the old Republic days, yeah. as well. <laughs> because I think it's very clear, like one of the reasons why the Empire gets to same you know, take, same shit, different star system. Yeah, it takes takes hold is because like because the the Republic is the Republic Senate is just full of corruption and you know like um, apathy, you know, mm. and like you know the, the people like Bail Organa and Padme Amidala and Mon Mothma are the exceptions rather than the rules for like, like people who have political aspirations in the galaxy. Like, um, so yeah, you know, Mon Mothma's contrast with like Cassian's plight. She's again, like she's kind of trapped in her world and it's a rich world, but it's still like it's, she's trapped in there as much as Cyril is trapped in his mundane, you know, bureaucracy job as much as, you know, Cassian is actually trapped on, the you know Narkina five in this prison facility um but it, it it's 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 a testament to like the again the writing of the show and the, the the especially and this is toby haynes has returned to direct this episode and does an excellent job of just like the way he frames things to like really make these connections between all these different characters and like the how they're connected thematically throughout this episode yeah more i mean the directors that they've picked on this i mean obviously they're <coughs> the tony gilroy scripts are tremendous as well but just the dynamic you know the dynamics of this these weren't things that we were discussing about book of boba fett no <laughs> it feels like no. <coughs> we're so far away apologies coughing fit going on there um should mention about ferrix we have bix who we haven't seen for a while uh, visiting Marva, um, and obviously she is, um, you know, she's been watching the stormtroopers, looking for a way to kind of like act like a rebel in there. Marvel, Marva has decided, you know, Cassian's gone. She has nothing really to lose. She's not going to move anywhere. 
in there. <coughs> but she doesn't realise that she's also being watched by... We have um, Vel there. Yes, with, and Cinta. And Cinta, who... Yeah. Exactly, who... You know, they have a conversation about their relationship. It's very clear that Vel is very much more into Cinta than, you know, for Cinta first and foremost, she says it's the rebellion that comes first. Yeah, the struggle comes Most first. I love, love Dr. Jones. Like, really is. No. She says the struggle comes first. We take what's left. Meaning, like, anything I have left after the rebellion is for you. Same thing for you. And then she makes dig about, like, like, you know, Phil asks her, "What are you gonna? What kind of cover are you gonna have here?" He goes, "Maybe I'm a rich girl running away from my family," which is a dig at her, because yeah. you know, Vel says that's cold, even for you, that's cold. But it's like, so you would imagine that's her origin story. Like she's yeah. a rich, she comes from a rich family, who's, you know, like who's run away to join the rebellion. Um, Trustafarians, we've seen them called uh, over here, right? Yeah, the idea of these very, very sort of wealthy rich kids who have this money, but like to think that they're kind of like living very much on the edges of society. Yeah. Well, I think this, I think it's real for Val. I think she, something must mm. have happened that radicalized her to join the, to join the rebellion. Um, but it's, it's great. Like, I think, you know, we're going to see more Cinta, who I think is a very fascinating character who, because it's what's not said about her. That makes her, I think, very, very interesting person and character to watch. And, we, we see like okay the, their only lead is Ferrix to find Cassian so they they're both there on on uh Ferrix to to like keep an eye on his family but also like um we we then see like Bix she, she you know Marva's sick she hurt she she hurt her leg like trying to find what was it like trying to find a tunnel that leads into the hotel to let the rebels come in yeah so I think this is this is this is foreshadowing something that's probably going to happen. In, in later episodes where I, I do think we probably have seen si scenes in the trailers of like maybe a possible uprising happening on Ferrix against the empire. Um, yeah. So maybe Marva is a part of that and helps with that. And it would make sense as it being whatever the outcome is of that, that that's going to be the thing that finally really radicalizes him into being like kind of a proper rebel, a rebel, a proper believing, a true believer um, as much there. Um, she tries to contact Luthen yes. with the kind of Morse code uh, thing, which is a real bad idea because she obviously does not think the Empire is going to be <laughs> monitoring any and all transmissions from the planet Ferrix, which they are, of course. Yep. Uh, and this kind of bites not just her and the assets at the first, but her friend, um, what's his name? Paz or something like that. He's the curly-haired guy that houses... The, the communication device for 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 Luthen yeah. and, and you know wisely Claire is the one who picks up the call. It's like we have to shut this signal down because yeah. this is dangerous to keep in contact with these people on Ferrick. So and then Luthen agrees, and which they have to do. I mean, like it's brutal, but that's the thing that they have to do at this point in time. And it's just the realization. I mean, it's it, it as horrible as it. You need people like Claire to kind of be able to kind of shut things down and kind of look at it with a cool detached way because otherwise how in the hell is the rebellion gonna gonna work on here but what we end up seeing is the kind of the result of that which is the um father being kind of dragged off heavily by and then uh, the the son as well 
by which point um, Bix is recognised there. Um, she is uh, chased and uh, strapped to a chair. As a, but she, Deidre does an interesting technique of making it look like that Bix has, has seen um, has seen the other guy being being beaten up. But, uh, of, the, of him being tortured and then thinking exactly the same thing's going to happen to her as well, um, being being brought in. We'll get onto the prison stuff in a second, I promise. But, like, yeah, it was interesting. We're seeing Bix kind of come back in at this stage. I mean, we're assuming that she's going to be tortured. So what is she going to end up giving up at that stage? Is this where we're going to get, you know, towards, towards Luthan? Uh... Sorry, I'm just trying to think the name of this character. <laughs> as 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 you're talking there, sorry. I didn't I didn't decide to look him up, which is awful, really, because he's been in a few episodes, and I've probably seen him in God knows how many television programs in the UK. So I, uh, I would have to have assumed he's he's a proper regular. Um, uh, I'll get it up on here as well. We'll have a race to find. Maybe out maybe is. he's a no 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 him that's that's i was i was almost thinking it's uh the name of uh mon mothma's husband uh let's go to Cass. come on imdb don't let don't, 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 don't let me down it's not alex blake who's flob i think like the character name that's what i, I want more is like the character's name uh Cass. that's what i'm just trying to find now bonnet delivery guards can't move for them uh, they're everywhere da, 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 da. See. By the way, I, I have a theory. I have a theory. You know the, the the voice of the navigation droid on Luthen's ship. Oh yeah. I think that's Alan Tudyk. Oh really? That's oh, my right. guess. Yeah. And that's oh. how one of these droids is going to become like have the voice of Alan Tudyk. That's what I think. That's my guess. You uh, hope so, and it makes sense as well. And they've done a good job in kind of any of the foreshadowing that they've done on, on, on that front so far. Um, do you think, I mean, it is like, I, again, we're seeing things like torture within, you know, yeah. almost like kind of, it's, it's Salman. Couldn't his help name but is, think about waterboarding. Yeah. Being, Sorry. Being, the, the character's name is Salman. Salman Pak is the, name ah. of the character. Uh, and the actor name is Abtin Galia. So, I don't know. I like. will have to see what work he's done on, on there at the moment. Known for mm -hmm. he's he was in uh some TV show called Peacemaker, not the HBO. He was in Rome, Hustle. Maybe a lot of these uh uh Hustle was a thing on BBC. Yeah. Anne Boleyn abducted, uh takeover. I, I don't know. No uh, idea. I've, Anne Boleyn would be like the kind of thing Henry the second Henry the Eighth's second wife. Spoiler alert, she gets a head calf. Not the only one. That's the suffer with that, dear Tim. Britain's most awful monarch, but for some reason, that's the thing that you can't even really talk about these days. Horrific person. It's Henry VIII. Well, like the emperor in many ways. Well, maybe Palpatine is based on uh, on Henry there. Who knows? Yeah, just, just with less weight. Because if there's one other thing that you take away with Henry VIII, he, was, um, he liked his food. Um, but yeah, we, we you know, it's it's interesting, like you mentioned, I think with with Ferrix is very much set up to have like, you know, a big 
uprising style style moment. Is it going to be the results of that is the thing. I, I can really only see it ending in kind of heroic tragedy as mm-hmm. much as anything. And that this being the kind of radicalizing point for Cassian. I mean, we have to assume that at the end of the series, mm-hmm. like this this particular season, that this is when he you know, fully joins the rebellion mm-hmm. and becomes a rebel and you know, the next season is just going to be about him going on missions for the rebellion and doing terrible things in the name of the rebellion, as he alludes to in, in Rogue One. So, and, and again, before I thought I'd leave the prison stuff to the to the kind of very end for this one, we do have, and you mentioned him earlier on, we see Saw, Saw Guerrero. That's right. Um, I always want to say Saw Guerrero. As if it's like kind of like a cousin, <laughs> yeah. of, a cousin of Eddie's, um, part of the Guerrero wrestling family, the exactly. dynasty. Uh, Saw know. Guerrera, yes, Forrest Whitaker on Segra oh. Milo, very Segra much a healthier looking. He's, he had a rough couple of years between yeah. this point and Rogue One. He he still has, I think, guess all of his limbs. He doesn't need the breathing apparatus uh, yep. at this point. Um, he's enjoying life. It seems he's joking with Luthen. They obviously know each other. Um, we, we see a great shot as, as you know, Luthen parks near the partisan base, because that's the name of, of Saw's particular brand of, or group of, uh, or division of the rebel, of the re- rebellion is the part of the partisans. He's a partisan. He, uh, we see Benthnik there, the, the alien with two tubes, um, yeah. there like guarding great shot of Benthnik. I was like, oh yeah, it's such an. It's such cool. a dis- distinctive design for the for this for this alien, and it's great. Again, it's like, oh, it's the guy. It's the you know, it's Saw's second in command in, in Rogue One. There, awesome, and and yeah, just and can I just say this this exchange between Stellan Skarsgård and Forrest Whitaker was fucking magnetic. It was just oh yeah, brilliant watch. Just the game of one-upsmanship, the idea of, of Luthen going in and basically saying, you, you did the robbery, Saw. They're both, it's almost like I'm trying to, he's trying to make out that he's, they're, they're both trying to work out exactly who did it, like, whilst trying to make the other think that they had nothing to do with it, which in Saul's case, he really didn't. He, Forrest no. Whitaker had nothing to do with this whatsoever. Well, it's interesting that Luthen doesn't want to take credit for it. Yeah. That it's the, but it's the idea. It might be the idea that the rebellion's so much in their nascent stages, there isn't that trust. There hasn't been that kind of unifying point for them all to kind of come together to be right. pointing in that in that same direction yet. And you wonder. I wondered whether or not was it as a result of torture? Is it as a result of Saw Guerrero being given up at some point? Does that lead him to the kind of physical condition that he's in? Um, perhaps there later on. But you're right. It's it's phenomenon. Um, it's you know, there's great, you know, there's some great moments in here. We have, um, you know, uh, we are, he calls Saw Guerrero uh, a coward during this. Does, no, he refers to himself as a oh, he refers coward. to himself. He says he's a coward, afraid to do it, uh, himself. Right. It's, it's, think- it's, it's, it's just a great philosophical debate because it's like, you know, Luthen wants Saw to be part of a larger network because he yes. says i want i'll give you all these these parts i brought you can have them for free usually i charge you money i'll give them to you for free if you meet with this guy anton okay and then so i was like i'm not working with that guy that guy's an idiot he's clumsy he's an idiot he also he's a separatist right 
and if you know anything about Saw Gerrera, it's like he, he, we originally just, you know, meet him on the Clone Wars show because he's fighting off the Separatist occupation of his home planet of, of Onderon and his sister dies uh, during that, you know, that story arc. This is like what really kind of radicalized Saw to become more extreme is that he's because he loves his sister and she died fighting the separatists. And then, you know, like I would assume he finds out later, like, oh, basically the separatist army was, you know, meant to help create the empire. It's just all manipulation and stuff like that. But he he then becomes an anti-rebel, anti-imperial, like, you know, like extremist. He he's basically a terrorist. We we Mm -hmm. see him. Like in Rebels, he, he does a guest guest appearance in Rebels on on a story arc involving the planet Geonosis, um, and of course he's in he's he's in Rogue One. So like the fact that he's on this show is great. I think it's great that when Forrest Whitaker plays Sagrera and 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 just yeah, just to have like I don't know if these two have ever had scenes together in another project or anything, but to see no. like two powerhouse actors in Forrest Whitaker and having scenes with another powerhouse actor in Stellan Skarsgård for me as a, as a, as a, as a, as a film fan or as an acting, a fan of good acting, it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's amazing to see two masters at their craft. And I suppose, well, speaking about powerhouse actors, cause we've, we've not spoken about the, the, the name really of the show, Narkeen or five. We've spoken about the, the prison, you know, about, at Cassian arriving on the prison planet, but here we see the kind of mechanics of how an imperial run prison works. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert, it might be in that new series of Netflix, World's Toughest Prisons, with that guy who says he, he hadn't committed any of those crimes, which I'll slightly call bullshit on. I'm guessing you know, you, you should show this episode to, to Maddie Edwards because like he just came off watching all of Oz. Oz. You say, you just say, you say, Maddie, this is Star Wars Oz. And he'll probably watch it, just with less less buggery and 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 murder. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot less. It's almost like everyone's too depressed to kind of even think about doing some of the stuff that they would have done in Oz in here. You can't argue in the efficiency, and you see it from the moment that the way that it works is it's very much like the signals are all through the floor, through the solid is it solid yeah. tungsten floor that they that they talk about, and. Um, they're wearing these big kind of like moon boots. You're wondering why, and you see them. They give a little bit of a demonstration. What happens? It goes up to uh, to level one, and it feels like a completely like de- like they all dive to the floor, like screaming in agony. Um, the people who've just arrived. We see Cassian taken off to um, where he's going to be working, and we don't initially see the name of the person. Who um, who is going to be kind of taken taken uh, through there? But he meets uh, Kino Loy, who mm. is the head of his sections, played by the brilliant and ubiquitous Andy Circus. Yes, Andy Circus doing live action. I, I mean, I did think you know he's going to be in this? Because I, I did I, not know. I popped huge as soon as I heard the voice. I was like, no, it is, isn't it? It's him. It's it's Andy Circus, and like I love when Andy, like he he's let, let's just say he is the master of motion capture acting. He's the pioneer of it. He's the master of it. He's Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He's Caesar in the plant, the brilliant Planet of the Apes movies. Does a great job in that, of course. And for for us Star Wars fans, 
he's Supreme Leader Snoke in the mm -hmm. the sequel trilogy or the the two two of the sequel you know two of the parts of the trilogy, you know, um, and it's like to see him as himself, like not wearing any prosthetics or doing mocap mm -hmm. as himself is 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 really cool, and I that's like. It must have been cool for him to get a call and say, "Hey, do you want to be in Star Wars? You don't have to do any mocap or makeup or anything like that. Just playing a human on a on Imperial Prison Planet." He's like, "I'm in." He felt like, "Yes, great," and and it's great. His Sokino is basically another prisoner, but you know, like one one besides the floor, like electrifying the floor and and making it so that like if you don't wear the protective boots that the guards wear. Another form of control that they have is to pit all the prisoners against one another. So, like, it's a competition to to. They're using all the prisoners as slave labor, but it's a competition on each, on in each table in each room on each floor, and there's seven floors, I think. So they all have to work against each other. Like, I have to make more of whatever the fuck we're making. Yeah. And, and to, for the rewards of taste and flavor. Yes, and every and every team that's every table or team that comes in last gets fried, like as your punishment. So you never want to be last, um, and and it's it's brilliant. But but then they have guys like Kino who is a prisoner, but he's like you're in charge of them, okay? Mm -hmm. And so like now they all resent him. You don't really ever see the guards that often, except for when they're brought to mm -hmm. brought to the prison, like. You, you don't need to like it's all over the intercom the guards are probably higher levels and they probably can control like access and probably like if they need to they'll just flood the fucking place if they if there's a riot they don't have to send yeah. me to present it all right open all the, the the windows and let all the water and drown these fuckers well we see in terms of the prison life there and it's it's like even when they're going back to the cells there's like there's no like kind of free time for them to talk really other than Possibly, if they're working, there's a tiny bit of downtime. They're in these tiny cubicles where they have, you know, built-in kind of. It looks wonderfully seventies and retro. It probably yes. sells fortune these days. Um, very, very silent runnings, um, and they're just pulling out a kind of metal tube, which is like you assume it's kind of like water and whatever kind of like food on there as well. So it's 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 pretty bleak. It's very. Um, THX again it goes back to yeah. THX one one three eight. This is obviously like the white prison uniforms are are kind of, I, and I feel that this decor, the white decor of the prison, is very much in keeping with George Lucas's you know original sci fi movie, which is THX one one three eight. Have you ever seen that? JP, I, I, I haven't. No, I recommend it. It's 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 a very fascinating film to consider that he made it before American Graffiti. Yeah, and then, and then he goes into Star Wars, but like. It's to, to like, and Robert Duvall is the star of it. It's interesting to see him play this really kind of uh, unconventional character for if, if you follow like Robert Duvall's career. But I, I really feel Narkina Five is really much based on the world of, on the aesthetics of THX One One Three Eight. So I, I highly recommend watching that. Um, but yeah, like it's a control. It's a it's a method that like okay, yeah. if they're too busy competing against one another. And just building stuff for us, and we have the electrified floors. We don't have to worry about anyone escaping or anyone trying to escape. Even 
and it's a great time shift jump that they do as well because like from casting's first day we move about a month later because it yeah. says 30 shifts later and there's this great 12 hour shifts as well yeah 12 hour shifts so he's you know he's been working there a month and his table is now the most efficient because i think because he's part of it yeah. um and you know uh what was the point oh there's a great sequence where like the other prisoners and you know, are talking about the system. They want to know what's what's with port. Why have our sentences been increased, extended? And he's like, and Cass is just playing dumb. He's like, I don't know what happened on Aldani. I don't know. I don't, I'm nothing, nothing. You know, and and we also get another great Easter egg here, another character, and that's the person Melshi. And I don't know if you know who Melshi is, JP. No, Melshi is part of Rogue One. Melshi is the rebel commando who frees Jyn Erso off the prison truck on Wobani One. He's He then joins the, the other commandos to help liberate the, the, the Death Star plans from Scarif. He, he's on the, he, he's, he's on the battle of like Scarif, like on the shores as, as Cassian and Jyn are trying to get the plans like he's part of the the commander team trying to just create the distraction to you know to 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 like make a, 10 men feel like a hundred as they say is their part of their strategy so melshi is like oh shit melshi this is where cassie meets melshi just, like, just looking at the pictures like oh yeah of course he just hasn't got his beard at this point yeah but i as soon as i heard melshi i was like whoa fuck melshi from rogue one is is in this fucking prison too amazing so you you know Melshi and Cassian are going to escape together. The other great thing, Diego Luna is great. You just see him look, his eyes are moving everywhere. He doesn't say nothing, right? He just watches, observes, and listens. And he's just like, because when he sees where they store all the boots, the protective boots, his eyes go over there. Okay. He files that away. Cause you know, he's gonna, he's gonna get one of these fucking boots and maybe another pair for Melshi. And they're going to get out of there. But even how the wheel turns, even how things work in terms of what they're doing, um, in terms of the work itself, you can see that he's even looking at that, seeing if there's any particular weaknesses or how it works. It, even if it makes them more productive, and it means that he gets his, he's able to get the kind of like, like the very various rewards in order for him to get through. It's it's absolutely fascinating to see how this works. The idea of it's. It's like a kind of it's like a thesis from the 1970s about how to make prisoners work in a way without harming each other. I'm trying to think of the name of one of those like awful kind of projects that you would hear about, like the Stanford would, prison the experiment. Stanford experiment, yeah, and stuff like that. That it feels like it's a it's a version of that given kind of a, a Star Wars kick. But I think that's the that's the brilliance of this episode, just seeing how this bureaucracy works from kind of law enforcement to prisoners to how they treat a general public to how they administer punishment it's it's so strange for a show that on the surface of it looks kind of like so drab but is in like there's so much in the way of kind of like of just life i think teeming through it and seeing and you imagine about how these how his fellow prisoners will end up being treated as well whether or not that's going to have like the, the kind of effect on that as well and you're wondering how the hell he can how the hell he can get his way off there because it's going to be good it makes the eye look like a fucking doddle 
frankly, in comparison. <laughs> it, it's I I hope it's like we get something along the lines of like you know the the, the escape like that happened in the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Where maybe it, it just happens and then we flash back to see like how Cassian planned it. <laughs> it's like, oh <laughs> shit. This is how he got off the fucking out of the prison and then got off the off the planet. I, I assume Get the like, Cantina band poster up there. That's right. That's right. Or no no or a, a, a Twilight a Twilight dancer. <laughs> um, but I, I assume Luthen is gonna help bust him out of prison. Yeah get him off planet like or or Sagrera or somebody he's gonna have help getting off the planet itself but he just needs to get to the surface probably so because we do see there's that scene where like the there's like people using like sign language yes to, to communicate so there's obviously something big you know some kind of big prison break being planned i feel and and i just cannot i cannot wait for for wednesday jv like this this next episode is going to be fucking amazing. I I just like this this show has eight episodes in. There's not been a bad episode. It's no. all been good. No, I think it's been abs- in terms of the consistency. This has been the best thing that they've done. I think for like seriously oh, yeah. on, on Disney Plus. Like I mean, and I'm, you know we're talking about Mandalorian here as well, which has plenty of like what we might think of as the more kind of obvious crowd pleasing kind of moments. But this, as a drama in and of itself, is it's just nothing more than like I, I watch it and I'm gripped and I'm absorbed. And I, look I think if 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 season one and season two remain as consistently good as what we've seen so far, this is going to be like you just did top five TV shows of all time, right? Like you know, part of your your last <laughs> top five show, five to one show. This will be in my top five, yeah, because this this is such. This is so good. I mean, I would tell people who might not be fans of stars, but they like good dramas. Like, mm. watch this. You, you, you just have to have a minimal base, you know, base knowledge of Star Wars, like what the Empire is basically and what the Rebellion yeah. is. I think everyone who's 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 part of like Western pop culture will know the basic tenets of Star Wars. There's an evil Empire, and then there's people who don't want to be part of the Empire called the Rebellion. That's all you need to know to watch Andor. You don't even know have to know who Cassian Andor is. In fact, you can watch this and then watch Rogue One when it's done. Yeah, and and I think that's it. And I think that you mentioned as well. Like, I think the thing that that um, uh, Diego Luna is as really kind of as a as an actor has kind of learned as well. And you mentioned this is about his eyes not saying too much, but being kind of like not saying like a Zalig figure who's kind of present in these kind of like big moments, but realize in fact what i was reminded by in terms of this i don't know if you've ever seen it, it's the jack odiar film a prophet and about a young man who comes in to um uh, a french prison and he's um he he can't read all right um but what he does is he goes there and he listens and then over time becomes this incredibly powerful figure and you're just watching the rise of someone who is kind of left almost to the shadows and you can see Cassie and Andor doing this. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal film, The Prophet. I'd highly recommend it. But that I think that's pretty much it for, for this week's. I haven't seen the the um trailer for next week's for episode nine. Is there any any interesting future direction for it? I oh, is there a trailer for, for next yeah. week's episode? I'm not gonna watch it. I want to be surprised. That's so, uh, that's where I am. I don't want to be kind of like sport at all because i just love the directions of of where it's going 
how he gets off this prison because it's uh i mean again i'm reminded by films of my youth like fortress starring christopher lambert and films like yeah you know you've seen that movie. i i've seen it i i think i've rented it on vhs once because oh, it's, it's it's the guy from highlander i should watch yeah. this is uh like who's who, who i feel like someone someone famous directed that film as well, so I'm going to look that up. But... Fortress. It'd be someone who we recognise, certainly. I mean, I'm uh, far too familiar with the works of Christopher Lambert in the 90s. Films like Gunmen, starring him and Mario Van Peebles as a mismatched yeah. buddy movie with Patrick Stewart and Dennis Leary as the main villains. Very much a, po- a piece of its time. Although Patrick Stewart is in a wheelchair throughout, which is obviously a bit of foreshadowing for the work. Directed by Stuart Gordon, who I think made Reanimator. Yes, he did make Reanimator. Yeah. Yeah. So it was made by uh, Stephen Stuart Gordon, directed for And it, it has Clarence Bodica, the guy who plays Clarence Bodica from Robocop, and the guy who is the uh, in um, Commando, who uh, he fights, the Australian actor Vernon Wells, <laughs> who's been very much replaced by, in late years, Nathan Jones in that same kind of role. Uh, onto wrestling. But, yes, yeah. uh but we've got we've got next week we've got we've got episode nine and after that we've got we've got three more left so it's a cracking series it's great I'm, I'm enjoying uh going over these with you uh and then when this is done we can uh we'll do a special episode reviewing uh tales of the jedi which i think you'll you'll you'll, you'll oh, really like yeah. i'm gonna try and see my own watch that this week it sounds yeah. like an hour's work does not sound like a struggle no it's like they're like less four than hours of a Noah show. Ten, mm, ten minutes, ten minutes each. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it's great! Cool. It's like honestly, like the Count Dooku stuff is just great because the way he's animated, you can believe it's Christopher Lee from like the Hammer Horror era of yeah. the seventies. It's just like yes, oh my god, this is what Christopher Lee. This is Christopher Lee would look like if he was a Jedi. And you know the c- cool thing about like Count. The name Count Dooku is it's inspired by Count Dracula, right? Because like George Lucas is like, I'm going to get Christopher Lee to play. I'm going to try to get Christopher Lee to play this character, and it's basically yeah, you're you're I just get, your character is kind of inspired by your character that you played famously in the 70s, like in the 60s, Count Dracula. So you know, and it's great because like Christopher Lee was like, I don't know if you ever seen interviews where he talks about being in Star Wars. He was just like, he was just like. I wanted to do it because like my, my best friend was in star Wars and his best friend was Peter Cushing. Yeah. Right. So he was like, yeah, no, I when it's apparently when George called him, he was like, yes, what, 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 what do you want me? Anything you want me? Cause like, you know, Peter Cushing was in star Wars. He's one of the most famous characters ever in star Wars history. I would love to be in star Wars. And he got to play the Sith Lord, Count Dooku, Darth Tyrannus. Right. And this, so this to me, it's like, well, simultaneously, a younger a, version of Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, like oh, he was like the epitome of evil in like the early 2000s, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, Saruman and and Count Dooku. For a man but in his eighties, he did some work. Can't argue with that. He was much great more actor. Than what a great actor! What Brilliant, a great actor, great actor. And and anyway, but like the the way his the characters animated, it's just like that's Christopher Lee. It's great. And what a fantastic note to leave it on there as as well but yeah phenomenal actor what you, you're a busy man this week aren't you Dom? yeah where can the good folk find you oh usually at, at post wrestling um i got the new episode 
I'm going to, well, you know, just for a preview, we're going to be recording the long and winding railroad this um, tonight after about like three, four, five hours after we wrap this up, I'm going to mm -hmm. be recording with filthy Tom Lawler wow. on that. Um, uh, he's going to, he and he's I are going to talk be about watching Andor as well. If, if he's watching Andor, I'll ask him. I'll ask him a lot of things besides uh, talk about the match. We're going to talk mainly about the match, but you yeah. know, you, you, get, you get you get someone who's in the business like yeah. talk about their favorite all Japan matches of the nineties. You got to ask them what's you know like how how big of a fan are you of that stuff and like what was what was like working in in Japan in the summer was is was this hot you know do you feel it was hot I felt it was hot living in ten years <laughs> so. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think I'll, Tom and I will have a very fun conversation. It's part of like you know wrapping up the rest of this year for the Long and Winding Road Road. Um, so I and I, I'm lining up a special guest for December as well, which I won't get ahead of myself until that's kind of like um, you know more solid the date for recording that. But yeah, then look, you know, 2023 I think will be a, like a really fun year for for the show. And, and post Perez, I do, of course, and then uh, MC later, which you know, we She Hulk is done, so we're not, we haven't done anything, but we did a Werewolf by Night review. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do Black Panther or uh, Wakanda Forever review when, when the week that comes out, a um, bunch of us. And then for that, the last thing we're gonna do for that this year will be the Guardians of the Galaxy um, Christmas special, holiday special, yes. whatever they're calling it. And then, yeah, we're gonna come full force MC later in 2023. Secret Invasion, uh, fuck, uh, oh, yeah. Man and Wasp, Quantum Mania, whatever else is coming out. I, I, I cannot keep track, honestly, of the stuff. Like, I have to get reminders from Way and, and John Cena is like, this is coming out soon. Oh, okay, that's right. I, I Thank God somebody's on it. So, um, but yeah, and the Star Wars stuff, like, you know, we got, you know, JP, we got, you know, when this wraps up, we got next year to look forward to. We got, the Mandalorian season three, which looks fucking insane, by the way, like based on the trailer I saw, mm. I was like, whoa, this this looks like it's going to be really as good as the first two seasons. So like, I'm looking forward to talking to you about the, the Mandalorian season three next year. But um, yeah, awesome. no, I, I'm busy. You're busy. We're all busy. Yes, we are. Indeed, you'll see some of the stuff that I have coming out. I'll be recording with, uh, with Alan Farrell tonight, talking about Satoshi Kojima. Um, otherwise, grapple. We're, uh, for being, I think we're doing. We're going to be doing a deep dive into Chris Masters, mate. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> is that a Maddie idea? That isn't. It's it's one of our King of the Mountains. God love him, Robert right. Rocky. So it, so like, why not? Like uh, you know, like you know, Maddie Edwards has, has threatened to do an episode of the business with me as a guest. Please. Oh yeah, that is gonna. That's going to be fascinating. As long as this results in somehow you ending up in Liverpool, Listen, I, I, I will probably a proper, just a proper chippy. I, I think I will just like uh, discuss like why Meteora is a better Lincoln Park album than Hybrid Theory with him. Maybe. Oh, I think he's. Uh, I think he'd have some. Knowing Matt, he'd have some strong thoughts about that. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at JP Jippy Three E's as well. And we will try to be back maybe this time next week. Hopefully. My work schedule uh, yeah. is kind of like really crazy recently. So I, I do have, to, I've been filling in for some people who've um, been ill at work or mm -hmm. other, other things. So we'll hopefully 
Yes. We'll, we'll see. But we'll, we will, you, you you know, Grapple fans, don't worry. Those of you who are listening to Hello There and, and our Ender reviews, the, these will be done. <laughs> whether it's, All of them. You know, whether we're covering one episode or maybe two or three. <laughs> so. Who can tell? And, and you know, bloody too busy as well. I I am gonna meet fucking Benno in person next month. Yes. So, which I'm very jealous of, honestly. And then we we are going to find a fucking Panda Express. Him, myself, and and, and Steph Stephanie Chase. I said Benno Steph. We gotta find a. We gotta eat at Panda Express together in the short time that we have together in the New York New York City area. And you're like. And it was like response to that was, let's make it happen, mate. So there you go. That sounds fucking awesome. I wish I wish I could go there. There's there's no Panda Express here. There's some decent Chinese food around here. I will say that. But then I don't know if if for some reason UK Chinese food appears to be wildly different. To I that. have to try it. I have to come over and try it. You have you know? to. Maybe maybe the Canadian dollar is much stronger than the the British pound right now because uh, of, you know. Yeah, know. the way this country's going, it'll be, um, Christ, you'll be ruling. Yeah, come next year, maybe it's like it'll be so shitty. The economy will be so shitty. It'll be like deals to go go to England. You know, yeah. flights will be cheap, or you know, fill your boots. Yeah, yeah. go to forbidden planets throughout the country. That'd be one of my goals. Oh, you'd have an amazing time at those. But that that wraps it up for this episode. So hopefully, we'll be back on soon promise you let you all know when that is the case yes but all we've got to say until then is bye there bye there did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals i'm kat mother of three and founder of ritual when i was four months pregnant i couldn't find a prenatal i could trust so i created my own Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.